Hi, I'm Glenda. And I'm Lisa. And we, and we are, are two, two black, black moms and a mic. Between us, we have six kids, four boys and two girls. And we're here to talk to you about everything from diapers to degrees. Welcome to our podcast. In our most recent post blog, we talked about the surge of kids going to historical black colleges and universities. In August of 2021, Black Enterprise Magazine reported about the surge enrollment at the national HBCUs. Howard got a 15% increase in enrollment. Spelman got a 20% increase in enrollment or in applications, I mean, and Morehouse got 17%. In addition to the enrollment and application increases, a greater interest in donating to HBCUs came about. Amazon's ex-wife, Mackenzie Scott, she donated $800 million to HBCUs, small and large. Netflix CEO and his family announced a gift of $120 million divided between Morehouse, Spelman, and the United Negro College Fund. And Robert Smith, a black man, committed $34 million to Morehouse to pay off student loans of a single graduating class. Yeah, so with this, um, we became very interested in this surge in HBCUs. And one of the most prominent and oldest HBCUs in the nation is Tuskegee University, located in Alabama. And it was founded in 1881 by Booker T. Washington. It's the home of legendary scientist George Washington Carver. And Tuskegee is also known for producing the Tuskegee Airmen, the first black pilots to serve in the then segregated U.S. military. Tuskegee University is also a top producer of black engineers and veterinarians. And in the last year, as Glenda said, Mackenzie Scott donated $20 million to Tuskegee, the largest donation in the school's history. Some of the benefits of attending an HBCU that Black students and alumni report are the strong academic support and resources, especially in the STEM field, which is close to my heart as an engineer. 25% of Blacks graduate with STEM degrees studied at HBCUs. Kind of wish I would have went to an HBCU. I went to a predominantly white Big Ten university. They has an inclusive community that embraces Black culture, literature, emphasis on social justice. HBCUs have a very active alumni association for their graduates and provide extensive networking opportunities and important professional connections. And a lot of people find that they can afford HBCUs more so than a predominantly white because there's financial assistance, scholarship grants, and work-study programs. Yeah, so with the excitement that students have for HBCUs, we really want to explore what life at an HBCU was like, especially for Black students going from a predominantly white high school to an HBCU. So today we're happy to welcome Olivia, and Olivia is a sophomore student at Tuskegee University. She grew up in Northern Virginia and attended a predominantly white school throughout her elementary, middle, and high school years. Then during her senior year of high school, she was accepted at Tuskegee University. Congratulations, Olivia. And she started her freshman year at Tuskegee in the fall of 2020 um, during the pandemic. So Olivia is here with her mother, Pam, to share her experiences with us. Hi, Olivia. Hi, how are you? Great. Thanks for joining us today. And hi, Pam. Hi, Mom. <laughs> yes, yeah, so we're excited to get Olivia's perspectives about her experiences at Tuskegee, especially coming from a high school in Northern Virginia. So Olivia, first, can you tell us a little bit about your college search when you were in high school? Uh, so I actually kind of prompted my college search at first because I didn't really know where I wanted to go or what I wanted to do prior to graduation, after graduation. And eventually I figured out I wanted to be a vet at the time. So 
One of my big things I wanted in a school was I wanted them to have a vet school. And then I wanted to be far away from home. And I wanted to go to an HBCU. No slide on you. No slide on mom. That's awesome. No slide on mom, though, right? Oh, all kids want to be. (laughs) Right. My oldest said to me, he's now 30 years old and he lives on the West Coast. But when he was looking at colleges, he said the idea of college is to go away. (laughs) I remember that, you know, and he's 30 now. So the second one said, remember what Hilton said, the idea of college is to go away. So I get it, Olivia. Yeah, stretch your wings and uh, yeah, and, I needed to go. Yeah, explore yeah. your independence. I think that's great. So, how was your high school environment? And was there anything about your high school and experience that drew you to exploring Tuskegee as a college option? Honestly, I wouldn't really say anything in high school drew me to Tuskegee, just because. Thinking back, going to our career center, nothing was really, nobody, the counselors weren't really promoting that you go to an HBCU. A lot of it was like, you know, either the big PWI, Uh Virginia Tech, JMU, or something like that. Like you go to community college or you decide to go to trade school. So it was actually kind of church and their HBCU college event where I actually got accepted to Tuskegee. So kind of having that ability to see all these HBCUs in one room and have all the recruiters talk to me and like hearing their optimism and like encouragement and enthusiasm just like them talking to me and telling me all the great things I could do like really boosted me up. That's awesome. That's really awesome to hear. So Pam, when Olivia was kind of exploring her options and she had this really great experience at the college fair at your church, what was going through your mind? What were you thinking about? Well, I think we're always here to support Olivia. And I think my big thing was I just wanted her to pick a school where she felt like she could be happy and comfortable. I wanted her to have a school that had a lot of different options in terms of majors, just because I think in my experience and people I knew when I was in college, I didn't want her to be faced with having to transfer colleges if she decided to change a major. Just wanted her to be at a school where I felt like she had a lot of options and she felt like she was going to be happy. Also graduated four years. I hear that too. As a parent who went to a PWI, how was the experience dropping off your daughter at an HBCU? What did you notice there that you didn't notice? I realize we graduated from college a long time ago, but we still have those memories. So what did you notice there that you didn't see at the PWI you attended? I mean, one thing that was interesting dropping her off during the pandemic, but I'd say one thing that I loved about Tuskegee when we got there, and, and granted, I had never even been in the state of Alabama when I dropped her off, but just all the students were out there and they were just welcoming us from our cars just as we were driving onto campus and just very friendly, very excited, really welcoming Olivia as a freshman. And it just made me feel really good. I'm not going to say that when I was in college, they weren't welcoming, but I just felt just sort of that extra sense of community from the first day. Yeah, that's great. Cool. So, Not all kids graduate in four years. They change their mind. They take a gap year. So do you find that Tuskegee, because that's the HBCU that you are at, are supportive of kids needing space or needing additional help or academic support? 
maybe this question is more Olivia question. Are you getting the resources that you need at Tuskegee to be a successful student? I would say definitely. I also do think the pandemic has like limited some of the resources with everything being strictly online. But like our school, we have something that's called the Reach and Tutorial Center where we can go and have like a student who's maybe majoring in the subject we're having trouble in tutor us or like better yet a lot of people like if you go on the yard and just talking to somebody you like mention oh I'm having a really hard time accounting they'll be like oh well I have a friend who took the same class and had the same teacher as you and could help you out in the class something like that so there's definitely like good amount of resources and every school has teachers who are very stubborn and egotistical and don't really want to help you out but more than there's always that professor who's willing to like meet with you in office hours and go back over the material As a college student, your freshman year was COVID. How did you socialize? Like, how did you... I didn't. That's the thing. So my fall semester, I barely left my dorm. And it definitely took like a mental toll on me. I was really scared about getting COVID. I remember, so my dorm in the quote-unquote ghetto of Tuskegee, it's kind of in the back of the campus. And there's something like outside the dorm called the patio. And I remember the first night, like everyone moved in. There was this huge party on the patio. I mean, nobody wearing Matt. I probably shouldn't be saying this. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wearing masks. Like, I, once I saw that party, I was like, I'm never leaving my room. Like, I don't want to get COVID. And even if I did leave and, like, I wanted to be with other people, I always had my mask on. And I was just really scared of getting COVID. I think back to it now, I wish I, it sounds terrible in a sense, but I wish I wasn't so scared because it definitely limited me making relationships my freshman year. And then spring semester, I definitely, I realized like the downfalls of fall semester and I definitely like went out more and I interacted with more people, but fall semester where everyone's just moving in and everyone's very like looking for new friends like that was like the perfect time but I was locked up in my dorm and I mm. didn't really want to leave. How did they organize then like social events everything was online get togethers all that I guess was online or could you attend some events with masks on? I would definitely say my first semester freshman year everything was strictly online there were no really in-person events I think my spring semesters, some things were in person, but for the most part, it was all online. But then this past fall semester was when they really started to be more open. We were able to, like, we had a lot of in-person events. We had homecoming events. We had a homecoming concert. We had our football games. So there was definitely more opportunities for events. So Pam, as Olivia's mom, do you feel like the school supported the students in a way that was reasonable? given the pandemic situation? Yeah, I do think that they did. They uh, sent out a lot of um, emails. They had Zoom meetings with the parents periodically that we could attend. You know, they would always kind of give us updates on what they were doing. As Olivia said, that first semester, they were really trying to discourage a lot of in-person events, but were trying to still... Have create that university community by doing events online. I remember they even did the Mr. and Miss Tuskegee on, on online. Okay, and that was actually nice with a small group, really just the court there, and I think maybe their parents was a small group of people. Yeah, they tried to do their best to try to give everyone the sense of the 
Yeah, and I guess so, there were no there were no sporting events then during your first year then, Olivia, right? Or there were no sporting events. Yeah. There was I think I vaguely remember maybe some like a few basketball games and baseball games, but they weren't really advertised and who was going. Did you attend? Like could students spectators attend or I don't think so. Well, and if you could attend it was like a limited amount of people. Yeah, because that's where that's where the school spirit kicks in in a major way. Yeah. And so you like missed out on that because of the pandemic. Well, I have to applaud you for going on and starting school despite the pandemic. You know, you sacrificed a lot to just go on and stay on track and start your first year. So you should be applauded for that. Thank you. Good job. I got a question. Are you in a better dorm? <laughs> I hope so. Oh, yeah. I'm in the apartments now. So oh, awesome. No more, you know, no more hard water. Yeah, but just know it's not just Tuskegee that has bad dorms. A lot of Ivy League schools could upgrade some dorms too. And I'm yeah. speaking from experience, not from who said, who said. Yeah. Um, well, my son, he, um, his dorm was terrible first year. I'm not even going to go into it, but it was pretty, I know, not, not one of the better dorms. I'll just say that. I remember my, oh, this is last year at a school in Cambridge. So let's, let's not call it what it is. Let's just call it a college in Cambridge. And my daughter was helping him move in and she saw a mouse and we decided to call, yeah, yeah. Oh my we God. decided to call it the name of the college mouse. But my son and his roommates, they had been together for, this was their fourth year. And so they all knew each other. They weren't even phased by it. It was like, it was a normal thing. Uh, At that point, my daughter said, I am never attending this school. Don't make me ever apply to this school. I know, but <laughs> your expectations and stay, I mean, your expectations just get lowered when it's okay to see a mouse. I mean, I just could yeah. never accept that. She just said, I'm not, you can make me apply, but I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to make it because I'm going to remember the mouse and right. it's going to be done. So she ended up going to school in California. So where she saw a lot of sunshine and a lot of lot palm of trees with yeah. no mice. No mice. And she had pools, swimming pools on her campus. So, <laughs> But now she's thinking about going to an HBCU for graduate school. Yeah, see, she said awesome. she sees, when I initially asked her to look at them when she was applying out, from high school, she was like, no, mom, the world is diverse. And I don't need to go someplace where it's just predominantly one way. I need to go somewhere where it's just, you know, very diverse. And I said, no, I appreciate that. How could I not? I'm like this mom of diversity and multiculturalism. And then they said they see her best friend transferred from a PWI to Spelman. She said, oh, my God, you would think that she had just found gold when she got to Spelman <laughs> because the experience is like what Olivia is saying. It's in culture. They embrace you and people are greeting you and you're part of them. And Yeah, that carries on because I work with some Spelman alums and I know just socially some Spelman alums and they are a tribe, a serious tribe. So good for yeah. you. For <laughs> yeah, Pam can speak to that too, right? Yeah, yeah, they really are. Everyone that I know that has gone to Spelman always just says it's a special place. Yeah. You know? so, yeah. Like it emboldens black women. It's incredible. So one thing, Olivia, I wanted to ask you about, I know that this might be kind of tough because of the pandemic situation, but what about your relationships with professors? Do you find that they've been particularly helpful to you and that they have a sort of a greater affinity or tendency to want to help students figure out 
what they want to do professionally and help them achieve their academic and professional goals. Like in other words, I'm asking, do professors take special interests in students? Because sometimes you hear that, and I think that's my experience really in college, that I didn't really have any kind of special relationship with any professors like the whole time I was there. Maybe there was one professor that I babysat for them. So I got to know him a little bit better, but probably more through the babysitting. I did take a couple of classes with him too. But, you know, developing a relationship with the professor while you're in college is really important because you take that and, you you know, you'll usually need a professor to write a recommendation for you or, you know, serve as a reference. Um, have you been able to, or have you seen your kids that you're in school with be able to develop relationships with professors despite the pandemic? It's really 50-50. I think a first, like, great step with an online environment, kindling a good relationship with your professor is definitely like turning in your work on time, like being a good student, being responsive in class, especially on Zoom, having your camera on, like a lot of people don't turn their camera on. Oh, yeah. Having your camera on is really important. Some teachers actually require you to have your camera on. So definitely like with the online environment, participating and turning in your work and doing well in the class and like showing an effort definitely is a good start to a relationship but trying to like have that relationship you're talking about knowing them outside the classroom is really difficult personally I don't really have that I just have like professors I've done really well in their class and I've maybe like joked with them here and there before class started and that was really it and so I somewhat consider that a good relationship but I feel like a lot of professors are aware of the fact that it's really difficult to have a relationship with the online learning. I even have like, I just started classes the other day and I had a professor say, you know, like, I really wish we were in person so I could see all your faces yeah. and like, meet you guys face to face. And you all have, we did a, in one of my classes, our professor like went, took the time and had each of us turn on our cameras and say hi to her and everything like that. And like, you can do all of that and, mm-hmm. you know, have that whole meet and greet through Zoom, but it's never, ever going to be the same. Yeah, see, I agree. And that's a huge loss in your college experience if you don't have that because it really needed to be able to walk away from college having known one or two, at least one or two professors that you could rely on for advice or that who would write recommendations for you because that's really important for grad school and even for work. But hopefully this pandemic will subside. I guess it's beginning to subside and you can kind of have more opportunities for face-to-face time with your professor. I want to share some information that I've learned from having four kids in college. For both you, Olivia, and your mom in your sophomore year, I want to suggest that even though it's virtual and it's online, that you start looking at what opportunities your career planning office has for you. Make contact with whoever's running that program so they know who you are, what your interests are, so that in the event that internships, because there are internships that people have been doing virtually, come up that you are someone that they think of. But if Mm. they don't know who you are, they can't think of you. So make an effort to reach out to the career planning, find out what type of stuff they're offering, resume, building, interviewing stuff, because I'm sure that even though you're virtual, that they're trying to make sure they offer that resource to you. And now is the perfect time to start looking at it. Not when you're a junior, not when you're a senior, start looking at it now so that when that time comes, it's not a last minute thought for you. 
That's yeah. good advice. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm actually a secretary of my major's club. It's called Manars. Our, like, deans for the club are really good at providing and, like, even over break, they're really good at providing us with, like, scholarships, information, and internships. I mean, like, they'll send out, like, three emails a day, and they were even doing that over break. That is awesome. They weren't bad internships or scholarships. They were, like, through Yale and through other HBCUs and IVs and everything like that. That's what I've also found that a lot of PWI, particularly Ivies, will look at HBCU students for some of their graduate programs. Yeah. And that's not an opportunity that I've seen at any of the PWIs Mm -hmm. that my children have attended to. So I would definitely take advantage of that. And it's great that you're in a predominant role in this club that you're, that you're in and keep that up. Your smile when you talk about Tuskegee is just priceless. (laughs) So I'm so impressed. My first meeting with you, it's very impressed that you picked a school that you wanted to. You had your reasons why you didn't get hooked on anybody's bumper sticker title schools or whatever. You followed your heart. I'm glad to meet you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So let's talk about some of the fun stuff. We already have talked about some aspects of your social life, but well, you're on your way back for your second semester. How do you think things will be different this spring semester of your sophomore year? Do you think there'll be more latitude for students to do more in-person social events? And are you looking forward to going back for the second half of your second year? Well, definitely very, very excited to go back for my second half, my second year. I think Omicron or this new variant has definitely like put a halt in things, but with Tuskegee being in the South and it being in Alabama, you know, COVID doesn't really exist. So I will... <laughs> you said it, not us, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, it's there and everything, but at the end of the day, with Alabama not requiring vaccinations for schools, it it makes it difficult to, like, gauge who's vaccinated, who's not, and yeah. ask because of HIPAA and everything. So I think just about, with a lot of events, they ask you to get COVID tested, and our school does have, like, on-campus COVID testing, and sometimes you have to be negative to get into events, which definitely helps make you feel more comfortable about attending events. Mm-hmm. But like with that being said, I think we're going to have more in-person events once yeah. we're back on this. We were supposed to have in-person classes this semester, but I've already had professors tell me that their class is going to be virtual for the whole semester. Oh. So they've let the professors kind of decide what they want to do. And I think a lot of professors are you now obviously older, yeah. 50s to 80s, and they don't want to risk getting COVID from a bunch of 19, 20, 21 year olds, which I totally don't blame them because they know what we're doing. We're having fun. <laughs> right. Yes, we can. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I totally get why they're like, might as well do it virtual. And I kind of like the virtual aspect. It's, it's nice. It's, I can literally sit right here and just do school. Yeah. Do you think some of the professors will have in-person like office hours, even if the class is virtual? So I actually have one class. It's plant and soil sciences. And Mm -hmm. for our lab, they're actually doing that in person. So I'm actually really excited for that. It's supposed to be a lab where like learning how to grow different microgreens and how it's beneficial to the environment and everything. So for some aspects of classes, they're going in person. But for others, like, for example, like sociology, why are we going to be person yeah you know right or like math 
We can do a little writing on the whiteboard on your computer and we'll be good. Yeah. Well, we are very excited for you and for your future. And um, maybe we'll touch base in a few months to see how your second semester, second year has been. Yeah, we can talk done. to you from Tuskegee. Talk well, to you'll you. be at Tuskegee. Yes. We'll still be here in Maryland. Yeah. And what are your thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, Olivia's doing great. How are you doing, Mom? I've been doing fine. Olivia's my only child, so I've become an official empty nester. So <laughs> an adjustment, but but it's been fun kind of rediscovering activities and things um, that I like to do or used to do. So it's been good, but always miss her when she's away at school, but glad when she comes home to visit. Well, I can speak firsthand that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree because Miss Pam is an awesome professional, an awesome mom, an awesome sister, an awesome daughter, and an awesome BFF. So that's where you come from, Olivia. You have one awesome mom and you were growing up to be one incredibly professional, academic, and just independent woman. And we are just so proud of you and you embody the future of Black womanhood. So keep doing what you're doing. That's right. Hashtag Black Women Rock. (laughs) (laughs) This has been an awesome show. Thank you for joining us, both Olivia and Pam, and best wishes to Olivia on the second semester of her second year at Tuskegee University. And we will see you again. Keep smiling, Olivia. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Bye, guys. Thank you. Hey, thanks for joining us today. This is Glenda. And this is Lisa. Two black moms in a mic, and we're signing off. 